You're listening to Spirited Spirits, a spooky-centric podcast where we enjoy a spirit while we talk about spirits. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Steph. And I'm Drew. This is part two of a two-part series on vampires. If you listen to part one, then you know that we discuss the history and folklore behind the vampire legend. Mm -hmm. Steph explained that many cultures have stories of blood-sucking creatures, but the term vampire didn't enter the English language until 1732. Vampires have been blamed for many diseases that caused people to just waste away, such as consumption. So now in part two, she's going to go into some of the murders mm -hmm. that were committed by people who claim to be real-life vampires. That's right. Um, but before we begin, oh, and I should probably say, trigger warning, this whole episode we're going to be discussing... Um, not only like drinking of blood that people are doing right um but also some pretty gruesome murders um mm -hmm. i'm not going to go into like a ton of detail but still there is some some content it's that pretty gnarly some some people may not want to hear so right. you know we won't be offended if you choose to skip this episode but if you stick with us either <laughs> <laughs> you'll learn some pretty interesting information and um yeah so um, yeah, but before we actually jump into that, we just wanted to let you know what we're drinking tonight. Um, we are drinking, I posted on Instagram, um, there's a picture, it is the Witching Hour Cabernet Sauvignon, and it is one of my faves. Um, the Witching Hour, the wine, Witching Hour, they actually have a red blend that's really nice as well, but I really prefer the Cabernet. It's got it's the blue label. Good. It's really yummy. It's so, so, it's so fruity. So I enjoy it. <laughs> um, anyway, right. that's that's enough about wine. Right. So let's <laughs> let's dive in. So I think the first thing we should probably do is define clinical vampirism. Mm -hmm. So that's commonly known as Renfield syndrome. So clinical vampirism is the compulsive desire to drink blood. In his book, Vampire Forensics, uncovering the origins of an enduring legend. Author Mark Collins Jenkins explains that a German psychiatrist named Dr. Richard von Kraft Ibbing detailed a case in which a 26-year-old man was sexually aroused by tasting blood. Hmm. He believed it stemmed from a childhood incident in which he impulsively sucked the blood from a housemate's cut finger. Hmm. In another of Dr. von Kraft Ebbing's cases, he talked about a young man with scars on his arms who sought him out, who, who sought him out because he had to cut himself so that his wife could drink his blood and become sexually aroused. That's disgusting. Which <laughs> if you are of the psych mind, mm -hmm. um, you know, trauma kind of faces everything. So if you have a childhood trauma regarding, you know, or a childhood incident regarding like drinking blood or something then mm -hmm. that like might like you cut yourself and start drinking your right blood that or... might that might have a correlation with later in life if you decide to i don't know start drinking other people's blood so um mark collins jenkins explains that these compulsive behaviors could be especially troubling in psychopathic personalities mm -hmm. so i think now i'm gonna let steph go into more of the psycho <laughs> the psychopathic personalities yes so. so let's do it um okay to begin i i am gonna start with the murray kentucky vampire clan just because i have a connection to it um i actually first heard about it when i was attending murray state university 
Um, I graduated in 2007, but um, I was first down there in 2003. And some of my college friends, um, they had heard that I like spooky stuff. Um, so they told me about this real-life vampire family that hung out in the woods of the land between the lakes, which is this, like, area. It's like a wooded area. People go camping there a lot. Um, and there's lakes, obviously. So people do some boating and kayaking and fishing, fishing and such. Um, but it, because it, it does have this wooded area, it's pretty secluded. Um, I guess that's where this vampire family hung out. So I didn't actually get the full story back then. Um, it wasn't actually later until I watched a documentary about the murders that the vampire leader committed, uh, that I really learned the, the horrifying truth of, of behind it. So to begin, Murray, Kentucky is in Callaway County. Um, it's at the very bottom left-hand side of Kentucky. So if you look at Kentucky, it kind of looks like a shoe. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> it's like um, on the heel of right. the shoe, kind of. Um, it's a sm- Murray's a small college town, smack dab in the Bible Belt. If you drive about 10, 15 minutes south, you end up in Tennessee. Um, so there really isn't much to do in Murray. It's been It's built up a bit. Like, it's certainly gotten some more stuff, more restaurants. I would say when... Back in when you were in college and I would visit you, right? There's not. There wasn't there's a lot. Nothing to but, do. <laughs> well, but it. But even when my sister she went to Murray State, um, they had there were some more restaurants and stuff that had been built up. Yeah, I think I think it's 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 building up. Is it still a? Is it damp county? Yes, I okay. believe it is still considered a damp county, meaning the bulk of their sales at restaurants, like seventy percent, has to be food. Mm-hmm. 30% liquor, you know, a form of alcohol. And Dan County means you can't buy... And you cannot go to Liquor Barn and buy... Right. So You'd have to drive to Tennessee. So you can't drink alcohol, but you can drink blood, Murray. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yeah, yeah. And you can drive to Paducah, which is like 45 minutes away, which right. you did. We, you know, we, you we and I did. We did a couple times. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's in this conservative, conservative Christian town... That Roderick, or he went by Rod, Justin Farrell was born on March 28, 1980. His parents were very young when they had him. They were still teens. And his father left soon after he was born to join the military. So he didn't really know his dad that well. Um, According to several sources I read, his mother, Sandra Gibson, was barely able to support them. Um, And so a lot of times they lived with Sandra's parents. Apparently, Sandra was into vampirism. Mm-hmm. And she got her son into it. Oh, so that's a um, good mother-son bonding thing. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, instead of going to a movie, you know, how about we suck each other's blood? Yeah, and so that's what they drank each other's blood, apparently, and they all, you know, they wore all black, which whatever. They listened to goth music and such. Um, but the the what I think took another level. Um, Sandra started calling herself Sta or Stay. It's S T A. Mistress of the Dark, like she like thought Elvira. she was like Elvira or something. Oh, yeah. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> and Rod claimed that he was a 500-year-old vampire named Visago. Visago? Yeah. It's a very interesting name. <laughs> yeah. So, but so they moved back and forth. Um, they moved back and forth between Murray, Kentucky, and Eustis, Florida. Um, not sure why, other than I guess at some point her parents, I think, moved to, to Florida, to Eustis. And so they would, like, 
And I know that they stayed in public housing a few times as well. So, um, but Rod attended Eustis High School and met Heather Windorf, and the two immediately hit it off. Now, it's it's my understanding that Rod moved back to Murray for his junior year, so he had to then go to Callaway County High. Um, but they continued their relationship long distance. Mm-hmm. Well, this means, of course, you know, back then, um, they would have long distance phone calls, which were expensive. And um, this pissed off Heather's parents, uh, Naomi, Ruth, and Richard Windorf. So they quickly put a stop to it. Like, you're not calling this guy, you can't afford these phone bills any longer. Mm. That probably set off a lot of... That pissed uh, off, Heather? Yeah. Yeah. This this sounds like the thing that's going to set this off. Mm -hmm. But back in Murray, Rod met another alleged vampire named Jaden at Callaway County High. Hi. (laughs) I'm a vampire. Hello. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so Jaden, whose real name is Stephen Murray... Murphy, I'm sorry. Stephen Murphy. He claims that he sired Rod... In a vampire blood ritual. What does sired mean? Well, like, he officially turned him or, like, became his, like, you know, sire. His his, his, his master, I guess, okay. kind of thing. Okay. Um. However, their friendship didn't end up lasting that long. Okay. Um, so, I guess they all used to play um, vampires, um, the masquerade. Okay. Okay, that's a that's a tabletop RPG like Dungeons and Dragons. Right. Um, and so that's kind of where they like, but then they would they would actually dress, you know, and, and mm-hmm. say they were really vampires. Well, um, in an interview with Oxygen's Deadly Cults, like I watched the documentary, the episode um, on Deadly Cults, Jaden said that they had very different opinions about what it meant to be a vampire. Mm. Jaden believed. That blood was a gift, and you only take what you need to survive. Whereas Rod believed by taking blood, taking a life, you would get power. You would get immortality. So mm. after Rod violently killed this kitten. Ugh. Yeah, trigger warning. Sorry. animal. There's going to be a, a lot of animals dying um, here. <laughs> um, so he apparently they were going on a walk, and I guess there was this cat, like stray cat. And he went to pick it up. It scratched him. He got pissed off, and he, like, threw it at a tree. Oh. Broke its back. That's a really nice thing to do. Yeah. Um, so Jaden... That's not being a vampire. That's just being an asshole. Yeah. Well, Jaden so... witnessed this, didn't like it. Right. And then at some point, they get into a physical altercation. And and so Jaden banishes Rod from his family of vampires. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Rod decides then he's going to create his own vampire clan. So he recruits Scott Anderson, who's 16 at this time, um, and then Rod's dating this new girl called Charity Casey or Kesey, Kesey. Right. Um, she's 16, and um, he also recruits Dana Cooper, who's 19, so okay. she's the oldest. I want to real quick talk on this piece here. Okay. So the fact that he already has these kind of so sociopathic psychopathic type tendencies of mm-hmm. like hurting animals oh wait hold and on it gets more. i know <laughs> but, but but the thing is though is that he's already exhibiting signs he's already exhibiting signs but here's the other thing too is that he's playing this game 
you know, Vampire the Masquerade. These tabletop RPGs like that and Dungeons and Dragons have always gotten this. Um, they always been kind of associated with like the satanic panic in like the eighties, mm-hmm. where like you know it, it was going to turn kids and like to the devil and stuff. These are just games. These are role playing games, right? And well, it's the blurring of the lines. It's the blurring the lines of between fantasy and, and reality. Yeah, yep. And when you have these sociopathic and psychopathic tendencies, and you, you. That veil between reality and fantasy is the thinnest. That's okay. when I think that these type of things manifest into those real physical aggression pieces that turn into murder and right. violence. I think it's ironic that you're wearing your D&D shirt that I got you for Christmas oh, right now. Yeah, yeah, I am wearing my D&D shirt because I do like D&D. Roll for initiative. So. <laughs> Nat 20. Okay. Um, Nat 20. Maybe I'll look. <laughs> so, again, continuing on with the um, the story here. In October, the Murray Ledger and Times reported that two juveniles broke into the Murray Calloway County Animal Shelter. So, again, trigger warning, guys. <sighs> I, um, they released dozens of dogs, and they killed two puppies in a very grotesque way. So they released the dogs? They, they kill- released some, and then they killed two puppies. Okay. And I'm not going to tell you how they killed them. Right I don't. Now. I don't want to hear. How yeah, it was awful. I can. I know it sounds really weird, but I can hear about like. I can hear about how people die all the time. But, it's but when it's dogs, I'm like, I don't want to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> so Rod was a suspect. Okay. Um, Sheriff Stan Scott told the Ledger and Times that he was planning to arrest and charge the individuals with animal cruelty, criminal trespassing, and criminal attempt to commit burglary. Um, so because the police were looking for him, Rod decided he and his vampire family needed to leave Murray. So Rod decided that they would head down to Eustis, Florida. Oh, sorry, just refilling his I'm, glass. Yeah, I'm getting small wine. Sorry, <laughs> you can hear that. Um, so they decide they're going to head down to Eustis, Florida, and pick up Heather, mm. right? Um, and then they're going to relocate to New Orleans, where they will feel accepted by the other vampires in New Orleans. I wonder where they got that idea from. Yeah, I don't know. Because this is like... Obviously, way... Interview with a Vampire. He apparently had the book, Interview with a Vampire. Oh, there you so go. Like he, yeah. Um, so, Heather had apparently told Rod that her parents were abusive and she wanted to run away. So, on November 25th, 1996, Rod, Scott, Charity, and Dana drove to Eustis. They picked up Heather and Rod wanted to make it official that Heather would be officially part of his family. So he also had to sire her, right? So they go to this local cemetery and they perform the crossover, he calls it the crossover, blood ritual to make her an official vampire. So is that like in in movies and, you know, all the You have she... to drink each other's blood or okay. something. Like he, yeah. 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 Or she drinks his and yeah. So. That's a good way to get hep C. Well, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, and all other kinds of, like, blood diseases. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, so Rod took LSD. Oh. Yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> and he told the group that he planned to head back to Heather's house to steal her parents' car. Now, this is where shit gets real. So, again, um, I'm going to be detailing some of the murder here. Um, I listened to Scott's account of what happened. And he said that he and, and Rod entered the Windorf's home through the garage, and the door was unlocked. Rod picked up a crowbar on the way in, and they found Heather's father, Richard, asleep on the couch. 
Now, Scott said he didn't know what to do. He, I think he was like, I'm, you know, getting ready to bail. Like, he didn't, he didn't know how to react. Well, Rod comes running in and starts beating Richard in the head with a crowbar. So, you know, kills him. Apparently, Heather's mother, Naomi, was in the shower while some of this was happening or had just got, I, I don't, it's not clear to me exactly, but at some point she gets out of the shower, she gets dressed and she gone into the kitchen to get some coffee. She sees Rod and Scott and begins yelling at them and she throws her coffee cup at Rod, which pisses him off. So he proceeds to attack her with a crowbar. He actually, he hit her so hard that it actually severed her spinal cord. Jeez. Um, and, and Scott said she got it worse than Richard when he was beating her. Um, Rod and Scott then searched the home. They were looking for the car keys, right? Because they had planned to steal um, the Windorf's Blue Ford Explorer. Um, they were also looking for money and valuables, I guess, for when they moved to New Orleans. So they find the keys. Um, I think Rod picks up a necklace, like a pearl necklace that they were going to sell or something for money. Um, and they, in a credit card. And they steal the Ford Explorer and meet up with the girls. So I think that she gets it worse because she hit him with right she with came at him cup. yeah so he was yeah. he was he was pissed yeah it was a rage thing i guess um i don't think it was i don't think it's a crime of passion it was premeditated but i think at that point he was pissed off on lsd right and that heightens some, some things yeah and so just a rage filled you know <laughs> vampire quote-unquote at that point well and it w yeah so it, it was heather's 17 year old sister jennifer who found her dead parents um and heather was very different than or sorry yeah jennifer her heather's sister was very different um than heather heather was younger and was more you know goth and wanting to rebel and stuff and was kind of seen as a troubled youth jennifer was your typical like goody two shoes cheerleader, mm. you know? So they were very very different. But so Jennifer calls the police. Um, she says her sister's missing, missing, and she and her parents are dead, and she suspects that her sister's been kidnapped or run off. With she ends up telling the police vampires, people who believe they're vampires. So obviously Heather had talked to yeah. Jennifer about yeah, or Rod Jennifer and, was aware. Of, yeah, she was aware of Rod and his. His gang. His, his gang. Group. His group of vampires. <laughs> right. So, um, so the group is, is actually arrested three days later in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, after Charity called her mom asking for money. Whoops. Yeah. Um, so they, there's like a setup and they end up going to a hotel and they think they're going to be getting money and the police are there to arrest them. Right. Um, so I'm not going to go into the trials and all that, but I will tell you that Rod pleaded guilty to two counts of murder in the first degree. He was sentenced to death at age 17, he became the youngest person on death row in the U.S. Mm. However, his death sentence was commuted in November 2000. Um, he's instead serving a life sentence without parole. Scott received a life sentence for his role in the murders. But in December 2018, there was a resentencing hearing, and it reduced his sentence to 40 years. And that includes time served. So he will actually get to be released in 2031 when he's 51 years old. 
I'm wondering if, like, it, okay, if Rod was in jail and he, if he had like court appointed therapy. I don't know. I didn't. And, see and if on he that. had any like anything related to discussing like his delusional thinking of mm-hmm. I'm a vampire. So I'm kind of wondering at, at his age now, because I looked at a picture of him. He, he's older now. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously. Well, yeah, but he's a so, 500-year-old vampire. I, I but, but, but what my thing they is... They can age? But my thing is I'm wondering if... I mean, he's not on LSD anymore because he's in jail. And if he's on any type of antipsychotics or anything mm-hmm. like that, like what his, what his sound of mind is now. Right. I, I'd be yeah. interested to like see an interview with him about... The situation now, as yeah. as he is now, yeah. So yeah, I don't know, but um, you know, Charity and Dana were considered accomplices. Um, so Charity received ten years, uh, ten year sentence, and Dana was given seventeen. And I guess this was because Dana was nineteen, right? She was no longer considered a juvenile, right? So she was tried as an adult. Um. And now, I, it's my understanding Charity and Dana have actually been released from prison. Okay. Whereas the, the two men have not. Um, and lastly, Heather was never charged for her role in the murder of her parents. There has been some debate as to whether or not she knew Rod would kill them, and maybe if she'd even asked him to do it. Scott seems to think that she knew and asked him. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, and there's, well, and so, you know, they were all claiming that Rod didn't tell her until they had, like, gotten to Louisiana or left uh, Florida, and then he confessed that he killed them, and that the way she reacted, she, like, had this big show of emotion, and Scott was like, I think it was all for show. I think it was all. He thinks they concocted the plan in the cemetery. Ooh. That's what Scott said in the Oxygen special, the Deadly Colts episode. Um, that that would be, um, yeah, that would that would be something. And her sister, another family, they don't want anything to do with her. They have nothing to do with her. I mean, whether she is an accomplice and like she was like planning it with Rod or not, she's an instrument in those two people getting murdered yeah. and having a loss of two lives in their family. So I kind of yeah. understand that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I mean. When we talk about cults and stuff, I mean, leaders can be charismatic and, you know, manipulative and so people can get swept up under that. Mm-hmm. So, there, I mean, she could possibly, I mean, she could have possibly been a, a, just swept under it and like said, yeah, let's murder my parents, but not really meeting it. But like just being kind of like, let's play, I'm playing along in this right. narrative that you're doing because it's, it's exciting and it's. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying it's like, but she's just swept up in her not thinking it's actually going to happen. Right. Rod, with the sociopathic and psychopathic tendencies that he has of already killing animals, it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to do this. I'm going to bludgeon your parents to death. Right. So I think it could be kind of a both and situation, not a and or. Right. Right. So um, the thing, the thing is, though. Rod didn't kill these people to drink their blood, right? Like he didn't he didn't go in yeah, there with the intention of drinking their blood. He, he I mean, it's definitely still you know fucked up. Um, he didn't he didn't seem to have any consideration for human or animal life. 
Um, but ultimately he was just, you know, like an, he was an angsty, rebellious team with some psychopathic tendencies, obviously right. blurring the lines of reality and fantasy. Um, but he didn't go in there with the intention of drinking their blood. Which is odd if you're a vampire. I feel like that's what you would right. do. You would have, yeah. Well, so <laughs> some of the other cases I'm getting ready to cover here mm. <laughs> in a much briefer manner um, than the attention I gave to the Murray clan um, have clearly been motivated by the murderer's compulsive desire to kill and drink the victim's blood. So, again, trigger warning, trigger warning, <laughs> um, because it is going to get a bit graphic, um, some of these descriptions of the gory details. So now, uh, if you're still with us, <laughs> let's talk about some serial killers who the media dubbed vampires because of their compulsion to drink their victim's blood. So first there was Frederick Fritz Harman, a German serial killer named the Vampire of Hanover. Fritz picked up at least 27 men. Well, that's a lot. It's a lot of guys. Well, um, usually they were homosexual prostitutes or street urchins, and he would have sex with them. But during the act, he gnawed through their throats to kill them. Yikes. Yeah. Um, he then butchered... That's a hell of a hickey. Babe. I'm sorry. That was really... <laughs> He butchered their remains and dumped their bones in the Lean River. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Right. I, th I think of like the French Seine River, Lean. <coughs> yeah. Um, he was eventually caught and sentenced to death by beheading in April of 1925. He was only 45 years old. Fun case. <laughs> in 1929, Peter Curtin, another German serial killer. A lot of these what? are German. There's, yeah. A couple Germans in there. Yeah, what's in the drinking water of that river? Um, no, I'm kidding. But um, Peter, this German serial killer, would decapitate or bludgeon women and girls. He was known as the Vampire of Dusseldorf. Dusseldorf, maybe. Um, he received sexual gratification from spurting victims' blood. Like, like spitting it out? No, I think from the spray. Like, he would bludgeon them and the squirt, it would... Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, he too was beheaded in July of 1931. He was that's two. That's two beheadings. I'm kind of wondering if like back. I think then, that was their way of making. Well, like their death penalty was right. But but when my my thought process, if you're known as the vampire of something, and the lore is oh, you have to I don't cut know their head. Well, know. no, I'm just wondering if like you know, because there's there was always a lot of beheadings back then anyway. But I mean, I'm just saying if like oh, this guy's the vampire of whatever. To make sure we kill him, we gotta make sure to cut the head off. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but he was only forty-eight. Um, it's a hell of a midlife midlife crisis, right there. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, then in August of nineteen forty-nine, John Hague or Hoff Hove, I don't know, was hanged for killing at least six people in and around London, called the Acid Bath killer because he would dump his victims into an acid bath until they were so decomposed like sludge he could then drain the remains down a manhole that's um, pretty gross guys <laughs> that's pretty gross yeah so they found obviously the the remains in the police who can say who who couldn't have access to that much acid like I, don't know. I mean i don't know it's in 1949 so you're not know. ordering off of amazon <laughs> 
I mean, like, <laughs> anyway. like, where, like, do you just go to the acid store? Like, like, where do you get a, like, a vat full of acid? I have no idea. To fill up a bathtub. Maybe it had something to do with his job. I didn't actually look that up. But, okay. Um, in an effort to plead insanity, though, he claimed to have cut his victims' throats and drank their blood to revive himself before he actually, they put, he put the bodies in the acid. Okay. But... This confession, so this confession earned him the title of Vampire of London. However, prosecutors didn't believe that was really okay. his, like he his true motive. They believe was theft. Right. That it wasn't he wasn't actually killing these people to drink their blood. He was killing them. Like he would, I guess, steal from them, like steal stuff from them, and then to dispose right. of the bodies, he put them in acid. I don't know. Do you think that like back then, if you were just like a serial killer that was very. Um... I don't know, just, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, just, like, really, like, extreme, that that's what, like, you were stamped with the vampire stamp? Uh, yeah, well, but I think it was also because if it had to do with blood. Right. And so, they didn't, they called him the acid bath killer. First, which first, which fits and him then, better than Vampire London. Right, but then when he says, oh, I did all this because I wanted to drink their blood, then they called him the Vampire of London. Okay. That's when the media starts. Yeah. Um, here we go. Okay, so next up, we have the Vampire of Nuremberg. So in 1972, Kuno, Kuno Hoffman, um, again, with these names, I, I apologize if I'm totally butchering them, but he was a deaf, mute German laborer, another German, um, who shot a couple who was making out in their car. And he proceeded to lap up their blood. Now, he had previously drunk the blood of corpses. So, I guess he decided to try something a little fresher. Something mm. more right out of the vein. Yeah, you just gotta get it from the source at that point. Like, well, fresh. Like, you right. know, you know, instead of dead meat. Dead <laughs> blood. What is it in an interview with a vampire? They're like, you gotta stop drinking the blood before they die or it'll take, it, take you along with it. Right. Because the stat at one point drinks dead blood, he freaks the Well, because he starts, like, you know, uh, dying or whatever. Like, he starts getting really sick. Right. Because Claudia had um, poisoned them with... uh, Laudum? Yes. And and it keeps the blood warm. Unfortunately, kills them. But it keeps the blood warm. It's creepy how you can do that voice. (laughs) Yes. Um, Okay, and so this one I'm going to spend a little bit more time on because there's just... This guy is just something else. Um, So there's the disturbing case of Richard Trenton Chase, dubbed the Vampire of Sacramento. In 1977-78, he went on a killing spree because of his desire to drink blood. And what's truly sad here is that Richard had clearly shown signs that he was going to become a serial killer. Allegedly, by the time he was five years old, he had shown signs of having all three parts of the McDonald triad. Mm. I don't know if you know what that is. Oh, I haven't heard of that. It says it's a theory suggesting the development of violent psychopathy. Oh, okay. Um, but he left home at, at some point believing his mom was trying to poison him. Oh. This was, I guess, when he was a teen. Because he moves into an apartment with his friends. He becomes a heavy drug user. And um, would w- apparently walk around the apartment naked. Even when his roommates would have guests. And so they eventually got tired of it and moved out. Um, and that's when he decided that he was going to start capturing, killing, and disemboweling animals. There's your first, there's your first clue. 
He would then ingest the animal's raw organs, Ugh. mixing them in a blender with Coca-Cola. It's a hell of a float. Mm. So, after being taken to the hospital for injecting rabbit blood in his veins, oh. Richard was involuntarily committed to a mental institution in yeah. 1976, and yeah. it actually wasn't the first time he had been in yeah, that sounds a like mental a, that, that sounds like a uh, involuntary. Admission. He'd also been in there in '73, but right. it didn't say what for or why. I mean, obviously he has clearly problems, but um, so during his stay, the staff nicknamed him Dracula hmm. because he clearly had a thing for blood um, and had killed, I guess, like a bird had gotten into the mental institution and he like broke its neck and like drank the blood the bird so damn it's like some ozzy osbourne stuff right there oh shit um so he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia um and they treated him with psychotropic drugs right i mean that he needs he needs those (laughs) well so they just the the doctor said okay he's no longer a danger to society he's drugged up now on his psychotropic drugs so he released him into his mother's custody in 1976 Obviously, this was a bad idea <laughs> um, because he killed his first human victim, Ambrose Griffin, at age 51 in a drive-by shooting on December 29, 1977. Then in January 1978, he broke into Teresa Wallen's home. She was three months pregnant. No, no. He, he shot her, and then he had sex with her corpse while repeatedly stabbing her. He, re- he removed her organs and drank her blood. Oh, I'm gonna need a minute. I'm gonna need a minute. That's that's a pretty um, yeah significant yeah situation there. And it's only gonna get worse here in a second. The or- thing is, so like mental health, like mental health services has come a long way since the '70s. So there's, I mean, if a situation if someone's like really violent or has those type of things, there's like checks and balances to make sure that they have stuff like services that are intensive in the community to have somebody checking in on them like on a weekly two times three times a week basis to be like hey you good like to make sure that you know that stuff's not happening and they're taking their medication well probably because of cases like this (laughs) obviously this guy left the hospital and probably is not taking his medication at this point and is in whatever delusional psychotic state that he's in doing these these crimes right right so four days later he enters the home of 38 year old evelyn maroth maroth myroth he first shot her friend danny meredith before i guess because he encountered him first um before then fatally shooting evelyn her six-year-old son and 22-month-old nephew. He engaged in necrophilia and cannibalism. And he was startled because someone came, I guess she was expecting another visitor, and they were knocking on the door. And so he fled with the body of the 22-month-old. And the police were called, and they ended up arresting him. They found him. They somehow linked him to what had happened. I think they found he his... had a baby with him. Well, no, they. I think they found like his boot prints in the blood or something. So they they were somehow able to connect him to the crime scene. But after searching his apartment, police found blood everywhere, including 
His eating and drinking utensils clearly had blood on them, like he had been using them. Right. Right, for cannibalism. So Richard was found guilty of six counts of first-degree murder on May 8, 1979, and he was sentenced to die in the gas chamber. But on December 26, 1980, Richard was found dead in his prison cell, having committed suicide by overdosing on prescription medication. Hmm. I'm kind of wondering if once he went back into custody, so they restart his psych meds, mm-hmm. he starts to have... He's coming down from whatever psychotic situation he has. He's starting to understand all the gra- the gravitas of everything he's done. Mm-hmm. He has guilt. Killed himself. Does a man like that feel guilty? I think that's the thing, though, is I think that may... I mean, after coming down from a psych situation like that, and you have more insight mm-hmm. into what you've done, then it's a, it's a difference there i mean it's your brain is working differently okay so i mean i I could see a situation where a guy who's completely like out of his mind like doing these murders and terrible things not having insight and judgment to understand like this is wrong yeah and then he's on whatever psychotropics that he's on after being in custody and like coming down from that and and having more of that wherewithal to be like like oh fuck like i just (laughs) did all these things i don't deserve to live okay yeah interesting well um in 1998 the vampire slasher joshua rediger rudger rediger slashed the throats of homeless people in san francisco to drink their blood he claimed to be a 2,000-year-old vampire, but was actually 22 years old. Oh, it's a hell of an age difference. Well, yeah. Um, he was found guilty of second-degree murder for killing a homeless woman. His attorney argued her death was an accident that occurred while he was trying to, quote, draw a bead to drink her blood. He entered a plea of not guilty by reason <coughs> of insanity... Um, and I guess his attorney was trying to get him into a mental institution because he believed, you know, he was insane. But the court ruled that he was guilty of murder, and he got 23 years to life in prison. It's interesting that it was an accident. Oops. Well, because I guess there had been some other homeless people he had slashed their throats, started drinking their blood, and they didn't die. Ooh. So this was the only one that he seems to have killed in the process. Yikes. That would be... Yeah. Like to get a slash throat and then live, or maybe he just cut it. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't really delve into crime scene or anything. Photos of like what what level of slashing throats he was doing, but um, I know that there was one guy, a homeless man, who woke up and he was standing over him drinking his blood. So I did see that. Um, Okay, so the last one I'm going to mention is. I guess the most recent, um, unless there's one that I've missed, which if I have, let me know. Um, you know, send us an email. But Alan Menzies, 22, of West Lothian, Scotland. Again, hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Alan was obsessed with the Queen of the Damned movie, which is part of Anne Rice's Vampire uh, Chronicles, that right? movie's not that good, Alan. <laughs> well, I've not actually seen it. Um, we did. We... We, when? I don't remember. We watched it in high school. 
remember. We watched. No, I remember watching Interview with the Vampire with you and then watching Queen and the Damned and being like, this movie sucks. Okay, well. But I that remember. was a long time ago. It's okay if you don't remember it. You're calling me old. <laughs> no, I'm saying we've been together forever, and it's okay if we don't remember everything from our <laughs> courtship and romance. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, he claimed to have hallucinations of the vampire queen, who in the movie she's played by late singer Aaliyah. Um, but she told him that this this queen of the damned tells him that if he wants to become an immortal vampire, then he has to kill someone as a sacrifice. Of course. So. On December 11th, 2002, Alan uses a hammer and he repeatedly beats his best friend, Thomas McKendrick, over the head. Apparently, I guess, from some an article I saw, Thomas said something negative against the Queen of the Damned. He said something that uh, Alan did not like. Right, that the movie sucks. <laughs> so. well, he, he would beat you over the head if he heard you I say mean, that. I mean, that's fine, but still the movie sucks. I mean. So he then stabs Thomas 42 times. <clears throat> he drinks his friend's blood and eats part of his skull. He eats part of his skull? Apparently. And then he buries the is body. That, is that even digestible? I don't know. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> Um, sounds like that would cause maybe it was some, more of the skin and that less sounds, of the bone. That sounds <laughs> like it would cause some intestinal issues. Oh my god! <laughs> anyway, but he so he buries the body nearby. But of course they find the body. Of course they do. Um, and he's arrested uh, just a few weeks later. So the court finds him guilty, and he is sentenced to life in prison. However, in November two thousand four, he committed suicide. So. Um, so. Yeah. I'm wondering if that was kind of the same situation if he was put on medicine and medicine had more insight into it, felt guilt mm-hmm. and felt like he wasn't deserving to live and then killed himself. Yeah. Because I feel like with some of these situations, not not Rod, because I feel like Rod had more of he knew what he was doing. Yeah. He was a very different situation. He was he was more sociopathic. Well, kind of I wondered situation. if he was antisocial. Well, I don't think he was because he had his vampire clan. So he's, okay, so he so was... he's social. He has his he has his little group of. He's more narcissistic. Ah, and so Ooh, yeah, and so I think that's the situation. Is like I'm a vampire and I'm in, I'm this clan, and I'm I'm important, and I can manipulate people or charm them or whatever because mm-hmm. I'm a vampire. Mm-hmm. So that's different than these, like people that. Clearly, have, have, have mental illness and right. believe that they are a vampire, or they're killing people because they're psychotic, and then they're labeled as a vampire. I think right. there's there's different levels to some of these killings. Right, they don't fit in the same shoebox. Right. Well, yeah, but I mean, I for the purposes of this right episode. No, no, I know. I'm no, I'm not. It's not a hit on your research. Your research okay. is your research is sound. I just I think that. Um, it's more of a discussion of people who claim to be vampires versus people who, who have been labeled as a vampire by the media because or... they do something with blood. Right. Certainly. So I think I think that's that's the discussion I'm thinking is like it could be those two situations. I think Rod firmly believed he was a vampire. I mean, he was his mother groomed him yeah. to be a vampire. She was yeah. like, "We're 
we're going to do this and we're going to suck each other's blood instead of going to the blockbuster on a Friday night. And then, you know, he has a vampire clan and he's doing the same situation. And so I think there's a difference there. Yeah, I get it. Well, um, to wrap up, as much as I love Vampire Diaries, <laughs> I would never kill someone to become a vampire. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I've never had any hallucinations about Damon Salvatore or any other fictional vampire. <laughs> and I've never had the desire to drink blood. So, yeah, I think, you know. That's good. good. That's, I'm, glad, I'm glad about that. Well, and so then I was also thinking about, um, and I didn't really mention this last time, not that it really needed to be mentioned or would come up, but um, I used to pretend that I was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. In elementary and middle school, <laughs> that would be probably be my blur of reality versus fantasy. Is I used to like, I want to just like take karate so I could kick some vampire ass. I think that, yeah, that's different though. Yeah, well, you, you, yeah, you want awesome. you want to be a kick ass like vampire killer. Yeah, totally. And and Buffy the show rocks, the movie rocks too. Oh yeah, I love the movie. That was I really love the movie. Isn't young what i was like how old was i six or seven when that mm -hmm. first came out yeah i loved the movie and then when the actually the tv show came out i right. think we were in sixth or seventh grade seventh grade maybe right yeah with sarah michelle keller loved, i loved loved it i saw the movie at a neighbor's house because i wasn't allowed to watch those type of movies yeah and i saw it at a neighbor's house and i remember like being very interested and like I was like, oh, she's really pretty and she's kicking vampire ass. This is doing something for me as a small child. <laughs> this is your sexual arousal. <laughs> this is my sexual awakening. <laughs> but, but You're not as sexually aroused by drinking blood. You're sexually aroused by pretty girls kicking vampire ass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, then we're, we're suited well for each other. Right. Since I wanted to be Buffy. Right. So, but, but I think... <laughs> Jesus... <laughs> I think I think the thing is though is like that that those movies are that movie is great, and then I haven't seen all the TV shows. I just watched like I think the first few seasons of you. Yeah, I've I've seen almost all of it. I got, it, it got really weird after a while. Right. Some of the later seasons, but I did I do remember watching the finale. Yeah. So anyway, okay, listeners, as always, we love to hear from you. So, um, if there's a vampire case or a murderer who was labeled a vampire, um that you think we should have covered, email me, uh, email us at contactspiritedspirits at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Spirited Spirits and on Instagram at Spirited underscore Spirits underscore podcast. And please rate and review us and recommend our podcast to others. We appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, I'm going to give you all an assignment. <laughs> if you like these two vampire episodes Ooh. and you think... That's fun to hang out with us every week. I want you to tell three people. Just three. And tell them, hey, you know what? We know these, you know, this couple that are kind of fun to listen to and they do a podcast and they're kind of dorky, but they're also kind of fun. And I think you should listen to them. Yeah. And let them know and have them follow us on our social media. I let our, um, that one of the guys in our, that came over today, we, we had some storm damage. Um, and we had to get these restoration folks out today to help uh, dry our drywall, our wall that clearly had water leaking down. Yeah, adulting sucks, guys. Yeah. Um, 
But one of the guys I was talking to, I was like, yeah, I was like, if you see those weird books over there about vampires and like demonology and ghosts and stuff, <laughs> like, it's cool. I, we do a podcast. And he was like, oh, really? What? And so I told him about it. So hopefully we've gained another follower. Right. Another listener. Right. Um, so be cool <laughs> and tell other people about right. our podcast. Um, yeah. And we just, we appreciate so much the messages and... Um, feedback we've gotten the ratings um we've gotten yeah. some five star reviews and stuff so i we really appreciate that a lot it means a lot yeah so thanks so much for listening and we hope you will continue to join us every week as we talk about spirits while sipping on spirits bye bye